Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Port St. Lucie. Let's join student and creative arts pastor Will Price with the message. Chairs. I gotta tell you, it's really good to be with you guys today. Um, and like, I really, really honestly, I, I just want you to know that I enjoy our time together. Like, I love my church. I love you guys. Um, it's just such an honor to be able to stand before you and teach God's word. And, and uh, I just really enjoy, enjoy this moment that we get, um, you know, a few times a year. Um, but as I was um, just kind of thinking through and praying through um, what, what I would talk about, um, I couldn't help but think back to the last time I spoke to you um, through, through a message titled Tables. You guys remember that? That, that message is probably my all-time favorite message, and not so much because of the response from you guys that I got, but because of how God ministered to me through, through my own uh, message. You know, it's, it just, it's interesting to me how sometimes you'll, you know, put together a message for others, and then it ends up ministering to you more than anyone else, um, but that was my experience the last time I taught, and as I was thinking and praying through what this message would be about, um, I was kind of making a joke with some of my friends um, about how, well, maybe I should do a message titled chairs, right? Because <laughs> if you're going to talk about tables, you might as well talk about chairs. And so then last week, me and Jacob were going back and forth about it. And he's like, dude, you should just do a whole series on furniture, <laughs> right? And so we're joking around. I'm like, okay, part one is tables, part two is chairs, and then we'll do the armoire of hope, Right? And then we can end uh, the series with My Smelly Couch. But anyway, so I'm thinking of praying through this and joking about it, but God didn't think it was funny because God led me to talk about chairs today. Can you believe it? And so that's the title of my message. Um, it's chairs. And here's the big idea. All right. So if you're taking notes or want to take a screenshot of this with your smartphone, yeah, do that. Okay. The big idea is that Jesus is worth following. But we must never forget that there is nothing casual about being committed to him. Amen. Jesus is worth following, but we must never forget that there's nothing casual about being committed to him. So would you pray with me? Father, as we open your word and deal with uh, what could be a difficult subject, I pray that your spirit would be here um, powerfully. I pray, God, that we would have ears to hear, eyes to see, open hearts to receive. God, I pray for you to do something in this place today and in our hearts. I pray that when we leave here, we wouldn't be the same. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So can I tell you guys a story? Yes? Okay. So the summer before my sixth grade year, uh, my middle school held tryouts for the band, okay? And for me, like, during that time in my life, I was very involved in competitive soccer, and all my friends were trying out for football, and so I wanted to try out for football, but my parents sort of insisted that, um, that I, I try out for the band, and so I did. And, and so the way it went was uh, you would you would go into a room and you would go from instrument to instrument, uh, trying out each one. And then at the end, the band director would determine which instrument 
best suited you. And so after trying out several different instruments, um, the band director approached me and asked me if I would be a trumpet player. And I said, okay. And I joined the middle school band. Now, at first, band was really just kind of a joke to me. Um, Like I said, I was really involved in a lot of other things. And um, so I didn't put much effort into uh, playing the trumpet. Um, And I think part of it too was that there was no competition involved in middle school band. And if you know me, you know I'm a very competitive person. Um, If you've seen me on the soccer field coaching, you know that. Um, But the thing with me is when there's nothing to compete for, I tend to not care as much. And so much of my middle school band experience was just kind of going through the motions. And then I got to tell you, everything changed the end of my eighth grade year when my band director introduced the idea of chairs. How many of you know about chairs in the band? Just lift up your hand. Okay, quite a few of you. Okay, if you, if you don't know uh, what I'm talking about, well, the idea of chairs in band is basically just this big competition um, between the people who play the same instrument and, 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 the, and the highest goal, the highest honor, the thing that you shoot for is first chair. Everybody wants to be first chair. And for me, this was a game changer because of my competitive nature. Like when it came to playing trumpet, I went from, ah, who cares, to bro, first chair is life. You know what I'm saying? And, and so I began to work my tail off to be the best trumpet player that I could be. And I even went to the extreme of denying hangout time with friends and, and, and letting go of other things that I cared about in order to focus on what mattered most to me in that season of my life, which was being in that chair, okay? And so long story short, um, my ninth grade year, after a lot of hard work, um, I got first chair in JV band. And how awesome is that, right? You go from not caring to being first chair. It was such an epic moment for me. And, but then it got better. Because in 10th grade, I'll never forget the moment. We had tryouts. I think it was like the summer leading into my 10th grade year, we held tryouts. And I remember walking into that band room and seeing my name in the first chair slot. And guess whose name was in second chair? The senior who had been first chair since he was 10th grade. I beat the big dog in band and I loved every moment of it. You know what I'm saying? So literally from 10th to 12th grade, um, I pretty much stayed in that chair. There was a couple of times when someone would beat me and then I would come back the next week and, and then I would get back in first chair. But um, here, here's, here's kind of the point, okay? I believe that the reason I got to first chair and stayed in first chair was because of one word, and that's commitment. Commitment. I knew that if I wanted to be in that chair, I had to deny my own desires and pick up that trumpet and practice every day. Because if I tried to live the life that every other normal teenager was living, and, and, and if I tried to hang out with my friends, I probably wouldn't be in that chair. But I knew that if I, if I just sort of gave it all up for the sake of being first chair, then I'd probably sit there. 
And, and to me, my mentality was, look, what good is it to have all the fun in the world as a teenager and hang out with my friends and do what I wanna do and forfeit that first chair that I'd worked so hard for. You know what I mean? That's kind of where I was with that, that whole band thing. And what I wanted to tell you this morning is that that is exactly where I'm at when it comes to this whole God thing. It's all about commitment. It's all about commitment. Jesus is worth following. He's worth being committed to, but we have to understand that there's nothing casual about that commitment. And in Luke chapter nine, verses 23 through 25, Jesus basically said all that. He said this, he said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Forever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that there are three types of people in the room today sitting in three different types of chairs. Okay, some of you are here today and you are what I would call committed. Okay, you're committed. You are a true, everybody say true. You're a true follower of Jesus Christ. And, and here's why. Because at some point in your past, you made a decision to follow Jesus. You said yes to him as savior. And you're saying yes to him as Lord over your life every day. And you're not perfect you know that, you're not perfect, but you're committed and you're doing your best to stay committed and follow Jesus. And so you are in what I would call the chair of commitment. Now, others of you are here today though, and you're what I would call casual. You're casual. Your approach to this whole God thing is, is very casual. In some ways, you're like the person in the chair of commitment in that you said yes to Jesus at some point in your past. But the difference is, you like to be Lord over your own life. In other words, you like to have control over your own life. You, you like to call the shots when it comes to your day-to-day -day life. For you, you love the idea of Jesus as Savior, but not as Lord. You are what I would call in the chair of casual Christianity. And then there are some of you here today and you are what I would call conflicted. Okay, you're just, you're just conflicted about this whole God thing. And you've been coming to church, you're here today. And you've been checking out this whole God thing. You've been hearing this gospel message that God loves you and that Jesus died for you. You're just not sure if it's for you. Okay, and that, that's okay. We're glad you're here. You're just not sure it's for you, though. And so when it comes to Christ, you're in the chair of conflict. Here's what I would say to all of you today. Whether you're committed, casual, or conflicted, I'm glad you're here. Maybe you're tuning in online, listening on podcasts, or, or sitting before me right here today. I, I'm really glad that you're here. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And I'm glad you're listening. 
because I believe that God has something incredible to tell you today. And what I'd like to do for the rest of our time is go through Luke chapter nine, beginning in verse 23. And I wanna go verse by verse. And I wanna talk about what it looks like to be a committed follower of Jesus. And, and if you're here today and that's you, you're in the chair of commitment, I'm so glad you're here. I hope that this message will encourage you. <laughs> it, it, it's not so much for you as it is for the casual and the conflicted, but maybe just a time where you can get confirmation about your commitment to Christ. But listen, if you're in the chair of casual Christianity, if you're in the chair of conflict this morning, my prayer for you is that as we go through these verses, that you will see the significance and the importance of being in that first chair, which is the chair of commitment. And my prayer for you today is that you'll decide to take a seat there. And so if you're not already there, would you turn to Luke chapter nine, beginning in verse 23. Luke chapter nine, beginning in verse 23. Before we get to the passage, I wanna um, give you a little bit of background as to what led up to the verses that we're gonna look at today. Um, you don't have to go there, but in Luke chapter eight, what we find is, uh, Jesus going from town to town, um, teaching and performing miracles, okay? And, and he's gaining popularity in this moment and um, popularity meaning some people love him and then uh, other people hate him. Um, but if you look back to, to chapter eight, uh, what you'll find is that uh, he calmed a storm and then after that, he healed uh, a demon-possessed man then he goes on to the next town and he heals a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years and heals a, a little girl who was dying. Um, and then you guys all know the story about feeding the 5,000. And so that's kind of like what has been going on, all right? And then in verse 20 of Luke chapter nine, um, we have this spiritual landmark of a moment where Peter confesses Jesus as Christ, Peter confesses Jesus as the long-weighted uh, Messiah of the Jews. And, and the thing is, is like a lot of people didn't agree with that, but a lot of people did agree with that, okay? And, and all the people who did agree that Jesus was the Christ, man, they believed that Jesus was just gonna take over the world and reign, and they believed it was gonna be easy for him, okay? I mean, imagine traveling with Jesus, from town to town and, and just hearing profound truth and just seeing all these miracles. I mean, how could you think any different, right? This guy's gonna take over the world. He's gonna overthrow the Roman government. It's gonna be so easy for him because he's God. But then something happened that changed everything. To their surprise, in verse 22, Jesus starts talking about being killed by his enemies. I mean, can you imagine how confusing that had to be for everyone? Over in uh, Mark's account of this story, Mark tells us that Peter wasn't even willing to accept the idea of Jesus' death. You guys remember that story? And he's like, not, not on my watch, Jesus, you know? And you remember what happened? 
Jesus called that whole thing satanic, right? Get behind me, Satan. You know what you're talking about. And, and so you guys get the picture, right? Jesus is, is an incredible person. A lot of people are following him. Like, this dude is God. He's the Christ. He's a long-awaited Messiah. He's going to take over the world. And, and Jesus knew that. Okay, he knew that that's what people were thinking about him. And so he gathers them together and then he drops this bomb on them. Verse 23, he says this. And by the way, I don't wanna skirt over this, this first sentence here, okay? Because it says he said to all of them. It's very important to note, okay? He, he didn't say this to people who were considering following him. He said this to all of them. People there checking him out, thinking about following people there who had decided to follow him, all of his disciples, he said to all of them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? And so he says, if anyone would come after me, I love that phrase, come after me, which really uh, in a word means, or two words, means follow me. If anyone would follow me, if anyone would come after me. And I gotta tell you, th this phrase here, this moment for the disciples was probably just a reminder to when Jesus had first called them, right? And, and how could they forget? They literally walked away from family and friends and jobs to follow Jesus. But what's interesting again is that that Jesus said this to all of them, right? He wasn't just talking to other people and not his disciples. He said, no, all of you, disciples included, if you wanna follow me, if you wanna come after me. And so Jesus is addressing them again with the same call, a call to complete surrender. But this time, what you need to understand is that it's in light of the fact that he's about to die. And I think something that we must never forget is that when it comes to following Jesus, it's not just a one-time thing. I mean, certainly it happened for a lot of us, you know, at some point in our past when we decided to follow Jesus for the first time. But the call to follow Jesus, the call to come after him, it's a daily thing. It's over and over again. And that had to have been going through the mind of the disciples when Jesus said, if any of you would come after me. He goes on to say, let him deny himself. Okay, so if you want to follow me, you got to deny yourself. Deny yourself. You know, I believe that there is something about every one of us that would hinder us from wholeheartedly following Jesus. And, and I'll be the first to admit that there are things about me that can sabotage my surrender to Jesus, okay? I, I can be prideful sometimes. I can care about what other people think a little bit too much sometimes. I have ADD. And so I'm easily distracted 
from things that matter the most to squirrels running across the street. But seriously, there are things about me that get in the way of of total surrender to Jesus. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is what is it about me that I have to deny on a daily basis in order to follow Jesus? What is it about me that I have to deny on a daily basis in order to follow Jesus? I think in general terms, the denial of self that Jesus is referring to here has to do with our sinful, rebellious nature that we have as a result of the the fall. You know, that's in general terms, but in specific terms, we have to be honest with ourselves. What does denying myself look like? Okay, what is it about me? Is it pride, like sometimes I have? Is it pleasure-seeking? Is, is it a relationship that's getting in the way? Is it the approval of others? Is it an addictive personality, something else? Listen, it is so important when it comes to our fellowship of Jesus to figure out what it is about ourselves that would hinder us from fully following him. Because if we wanna go after Jesus and pursue him with everything that we've got, We gotta figure out what those things are and deny ourselves of those things. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. If you're taking notes, write this down. When I die to self, I live up to my God-given potential. When I die to self, I live up to my God-given potential. You could even flip that around and say something like, when I say yes to myself, I don't live up to my God-given potential. What is it about you that you need to deny on a daily basis in order to follow Jesus? Let's look at the next part. Not only do you have to deny yourself, but he says you gotta take up your cross daily and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross. You know, over the years I've heard People use this phrase a lot. Um, sometimes it's someone dealing with an illness. Um, other times I've heard parents dealing with struggling teenagers use this, this phrase before. But, you know, so many people uh, will attach this phrase, taking up your cross, with the idea of, of, of carrying a burden. And so whether it's a, a physical illness or uh, a difficult circumstance, or whatever the case may be, a lot of people will say, oh, pastor, I'm just, I'm taking up my cross. I'm bearing my burden for Jesus, you know? And, and look, I really don't want to say on toes this morning, because I know some of you may use that phrase. But I would strongly argue against that kind of interpretation. And here's why. <laughs> when Jesus took up his cross, and, and put it on his totally mutilated back, okay? When Jesus picked up his cross, no one was looking at that as a symbol of burden. Oh, look, it's a little burden. He's, he's just taking up his, no. Everyone looking at that would have seen that as a symbol of death. 
Death in the most excruciating kind of way, by the way. Okay, what you have to understand is this idea of, of taking up your cross, the, the people in that day and age, they saw the cross as an execution device. Ta- taking up your cross was a death march. And so when Jesus says, deny yourself and take up your cross, he's not referring to carrying life's common burdens. He's referring to a very uncommon willingness to die for him, no matter what the cost to follow him, no matter what the cost, okay? Here's the point. If you wanna follow Jesus, it demands total sacrifice, total sacrifice. And by the way, Jesus never hid that. He never hid that. He was very clear about that. Sadly, today, so many pastors and so many teachers with their candy-coated gospel presentations do hide that. They hide the cost of following Jesus, And I wonder sometimes how many conversions to Christianity or how how much it would decrease if pastors and teachers would stand before people and actually communicate the truth about what it means to follow Jesus. I wonder. John MacArthur said this. He says, Christ does not call disciples to himself to make their lives easy and prosperous. And yet we turn on the TV and we read the books and this is what we get. Follow Jesus, he'll make your life great. Follow Jesus, you'll prosper. Follow Jesus, everything will be okay. You know, like what is that? Yes, following Jesus is amazing. Yeah, there's hope in Jesus' name. Yeah. There, there are some things about following Jesus that can prosper you. You know, he, he says some stuff like that, but when it comes to material things and life in general, look, he doesn't call us to himself to just make everything easy. But he goes on to say to make them holy and productive. Holy and productive. If you wanna come after me, you gotta deny yourself. And you gotta take up your cross. How often? Daily. And follow me. In verse 24, he goes on to say this. For whoever would save his life is gonna lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? And so for me, When I read those two verses, I realize that if I go through life doing things the way that I want to do them, living out my purposes, focusing on what I want to do rather than denying myself and taking up my cross, well, I'm setting myself up for a huge loss. And I believe the loss that Jesus is talking about here is eternal life. But you see, when I lose my life, meaning when I give up my earthly and worldly desires to take up my cross and and follow Jesus for the sake of him and the gospel, well, guess what? My life's gonna be saved eternally. And and I don't want you to misunderstand me here. I'm not preaching a works-based salvation, okay? The gospel is that we are saved by grace 
through faith in Christ alone. That's the gospel. But what James teaches us is that that faith that we say we have actually works, right? It's supposed to work. And it's supposed to work itself out in our day-to-day lives. And and so if I'm not denying myself of my sinful nature, well, then guess what? My so-called faith isn't working. And if my faith isn't working, James says your faith is dead. You follow me? And yet this is how so many people live their Christian life. They claim to know Christ. But there's no proof. They're preoccupied and concerned with the things of this world more than they are with the things of the Lord. If that's you this morning, can I just ask you, what is so good about the things of this life that you're willing to forfeit your soul? You need to think about that. What is so good about the things of this life? What is so good about that relationship? What is so good about that chemical? What is so good about your popularity? What is so good about that party? I could go on and on, but what is so good about all that that you're willing to forfeit your soul? Write this down. The only things that Jesus asks us to deny ourselves of are the things that would rob us of eternity. If I had a mic, I would drop it and walk off the stage right now. (laughs) But that's Hebrews 11, 25 and 26 right there. That that passage says, listen, deny yourself of the passing pleasures of sin and consider the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the world's treasures. Deny yourself of the passing pleasures of sin. Isn't isn't that sin? There's other verses that say uh, that, you know, there's pleasure in sin for a season. And that's true. Let's be honest. Sin can be fun, it can be enjoyable, it can feel good, you know, whatever. But we're called as Christians to deny ourselves those passing pleasures and consider the reproach of Christ greater than the world's treasures. And so if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Ladies and gentlemen, that passage of scripture right there is exactly what it looks like to be committed to Christ. That's what it looks like to sit in first chair, which is the chair of commitment. And I just got to ask you this morning, what chair are you in? Are you committed? Or are you casual or conflicted? David Platt wrote a really great book titled Counter Culture. And he ends his book with these words. It's going to be up on the screen. And this, this quote really is for those of you who are sitting in that chair of casual Christianity this morning. I want you to get laser focused on this. And you know who you are. Are we gonna follow Jesus? Not are we going to bow our heads, say a prayer, read the Bible, go to church, and give a tithe while we get on with the rest of our lives. Okay, just stop right there. 
you can come to church and you can bow your head when the pastor prays and you can open your Bible and you can even give a tithe. You can, you can even put a little gift basket together for Christmas in Haiti. And either not be saved or be walking on thin ice with this whole God thing. And, and my fear is that this is most people in churches today. Showing up at church, going through the motions, yet not being committed to Christ. Are we gonna follow Jesus with all our lives, no matter where he leads us to go, how countercultural the task is, or what the cost may be for us, our families or our churches? Are we really gonna follow Jesus? And then he says this, in order to answer the central question, I'm compelled to ask these three corresponding questions. Are we going to choose comfort or the cross? Are we going to settle for maintenance or sacrifice for mission? And finally, will our lives be marked by indecisive minds or undivided hearts? Listen, if you're here today and you're in that chair of casual Christianity, I don't mean to beat up on you, but I gotta tell you, that's a dangerous chair to sit in. And you know why? Because there's no security of salvation in that chair. Okay, make no mistake, I believe in the security of the believer. I believe once you are truly saved that your salvation cannot be lost. I believe that. But to make a verbal commitment to Christ that does not translate into full surrender in your day-to-day -day life is a dangerous way to approach Christianity. There's no security of salvation that can be found there. And my prayer, and I know Mike would agree and all the other pastors would agree that this is a place where everyone is welcome, okay? I don't care if you're drunk or high right now. I don't care if you've been a saint for your entire life. I don't care if you're a prostitute. I don't care if you're a choir boy, like it doesn't matter. Everyone is welcome here. But I know this, we will never be that kind of church where people are allowed to sit in the chair of casual Christianity. It's just too much of a contradiction to even really make sense or exist. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing casual about our commitment to Christ. And if you're in that chair today, I love you, but I'm calling you out. It's time to get out of that chair. Quit playing church. Quit playing like you love Jesus. Your life says you don't. I'm calling you out. I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not mad at you. I love you. And, and I wanna be a part of a fellowship of believers who are committed to Christ. Are we perfect? No, we're not perfect but we're doing everything we can to deny ourselves and, and take up our cross and, and, and die for Jesus if we have to. That's the kind of church that this is. If that's not you, we need your seat, okay? We'll let someone else fill it. I mean that. Now, some of you are here today and you're conflicted. You're conflicted. On one hand, you've been coming to church, and, and for you, there's something about this whole God thing that's attractive. 
right? But, but then on the other hand, you've got this life that you're living and you love it too much to let go of it. What I wanna tell you this morning is that God loves you so much and he sent Jesus to die for you. And the Holy Spirit is drawing you, which by the way, you're conflicted. There's plenty of people in the world who aren't conflicted about this whole God thing because they could care less and, and God says, okay, have it your way. You know what I mean? But God's pursuing you. He's drawing you to himself. He's convicting you of your sin. He's calling you to repent and to follow him. That's why you're in the chair of conflict. So be thankful that you're there, first of all. But what I want you to know this morning is that Jesus is worth following. He really is. He's better than anything this world has to offer. He's better than whatever it is you're chasing after in your life right now. He's worth following, but I gotta be honest with you. There's nothing casual about this commitment to him that you're being called to. And so if you're here this morning and you're, you're conflicted, you, you kind of want to go all in with this whole God thing, but you're not really sure, let me just be clear. Are you willing to follow him even if it means walking away from some relationships? Are you willing to follow him even if it means that you might be divided against your family? Are you willing to follow him even if it means you lose your reputation with your friends? Are you willing to follow him even if it means you can't go to the same places or do the same things anymore? Are you willing to follow him even if it means losing your life? I gotta tell you, in some parts of the world, all of those consequences are a reality for following Jesus. I think here in America, at least some of those things are a possibility. Maybe all of them, maybe not. You know, following Jesus here in America does not always equal those things. But the thing is, is it could. And I gotta be honest with you about that. If you're conflicted, if you're considering following Jesus, and by the way, if you're on that super weird, doesn't even make sense chair of casual Christianity, same goes for you. Are you willing? That's the question. Are you willing to take up your cross even if it means losing everything? It's worth it. I'm telling you, it's worth it. My, I, can, I could share my personal testimony and we'd be here another hour. I'm not gonna do that. It's worth it. It's so worth it. But are you willing to take up your cross even if it means losing everything? Ladies and gentlemen, that's the gospel, okay? God loves you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. All you gotta do is repent of the evil life that you're living. But, but guess what? It means that you're gonna come and you're gonna die. You're gonna go on a death march. Why? For the cause of Christ. Even if it costs you everything, that is the gospel. Come and die so that you might live. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself?
Would you bow your heads? If you're here today and you're in the chair of conflict, I'm so glad that you're here. I believe that you're hearing truth today from the word of God. It's not candy coated, it's real. If you've been checking out this whole God thing, listen, God loves you. Jesus died for you. If you wanna follow him, my prayer is that today you'll repent of your sin and you'll choose Jesus. But you need to know that it could cost you everything. The question is, are you willing? I'm not gonna ask you to stand up. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm not gonna call you out individually, just right where you are. If you wanna follow Jesus, if you're willing to die so that you might live, I wanna encourage you to go to him in prayer. Confess your sin to him. Name it. Name that sin to him right now. Ask him to forgive you for that sin. Make a commitment to him today to turn from that sin. Ask him to be your savior and Lord of your life. If you're here today and you're in the chair of casual Christianity, I'm gonna be honest with you, I really struggled with that title because at the end of the day, I don't think it exists. I don't think that you can call Jesus savior and then not have him be Lord over your life. It just doesn't make sense. Either you're in or you're not. And I'm not saying we, we're perfect. Yes, we all struggle every day, but there's a difference between the person who says that they love Jesus and, and strive to live like it the best they can and still struggle. There's a difference between that person and the person who says they love Jesus and then just gets on with the rest of their life with no care in the world, except for when they show up on Sunday morning and they hear a sermon. I, I just, I, I'm just not so sure that this chair of casual Christianity makes sense. And so I'm just calling you out of it today. Are you in or are you out? Right where you are, make a commitment to Jesus today. Ask him to forgive you for your casual approach to him and ask him to give you the power of his Holy Spirit to follow him like you've never followed him before, no matter what the cost. Maybe it means walking away from a relationship. Maybe it means walking out of this church and getting on the phone and breaking it off. Maybe it means quitting that job. Maybe it means something different for you, but are you willing? I'm calling you out today and I'm telling you there's nothing casual about being committed to Christ. And then for those of you who are committed, I want you to know today that I thank God for you. Thank you for connecting here at this church. Thank you for serving here at this church and in this community. 
Thank you for growing in your personal relationship with the Lord. Thank you for inviting people who are lost to come to this church. Thanks for giving. Thank you for your commitment. Keep up the good work. It's worth it. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that you led me to, to speak this truth, that it's not candy coated, that it might hurt a little bit, but it can set us free. Some free from death, some free from just playing around with church. God, thank you for what you've done here today. And I pray that it will just echo into this week, the next coming months, the years to come. God, do your thing in our lives because apart from you, we're nothing. We praise you and we love you in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. amen. Let's stand together. Thank the Lord for what he did today through worship, um, in our lives. If you're here today and you made a decision to follow Jesus, uh, there's gonna be prayer partners up front. We would love to know uh, that you did that. We'd love to give you a free gift, a, a Bible and some resources to help you on your new journey with Christ, your new commitment to Christ. Um, and then of course, if you need prayer for anything, um, we're here to, uh, to pray with you. So um, can't wait to see you back next week. God bless you. Have a great week. One of the greatest gifts God can give his children is the assurance of their salvation. If you're not sure where you stand with God, we want to help. Visit our website at calvarypsl.com. Click on I'm new here, then knowing Christ.